Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. What's up? Thanks for listening to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy. I'm your host, professor, and all the things, Anna David. I'm not all the things. I'm some of the things. And before I forget to tell you, this podcast is sponsored by Book Elevator Pitch. And if you want to know what that is, if you're writing a nonfiction book, you need to know what that is. So go to bookelevatorpitch.com to find out. So today I answer a burning question or my you know, the person I interview does. It is all about how to get Amazon reviews. Now, this guy knows his name is Craig Tuck, and he is a romance novelist, but he also has a company called Hidden Gems, which offers many services for writers, uh, blurb writing, coaching, layouts, cover design, all the things. But what I wanted to talk to him about is Amazon reviews, because as I've talked about in previous episodes, episodes, numerous, it's pretty hard to get up Amazon reviews to get the people who agree to review, to follow through, all the things. And so he has a company with very reasonable prices. You can sign up to uh, have the Hidden Gems reviewers read your book. They cannot guarantee reviews, um, but uh, they have a pretty good track record. But what I thought was most interesting is he talked about how many reviews you should get that you need, what studies say, and also why it's good to have bad reviews. So with that, I give you Craig Tuck. Okay, Craig, thanks so much for being here. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Anna. Um, As I was telling you, I just discovered Hidden Gems last week and was completely blown away um, over all the services, but primarily getting reviews. Um, I have researched other places where you can do that and the cost is exorbitant or they're janky reviews. So I think it's an incredible service that you offer. So I would love to find out about the history of Hidden Gems. When did you start it? How how do you do this? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, we've been around uh, since uh, 2015. Um, I think I was pretty much the first one to start a review service that was, you know, like a legit service that wasn't a call center in India that, you know, you could get fake reviews on. Uh, And that came from when I was writing. I was I started off as a writer uh, in self-publishing. Before that, I had a career in, um, you know, IT and I was a product manager and I sort of left that to do 
um, self-publishing when it started back in 2013. Well, I started in 2013. It was sort of just getting started back then. And, um, you know, I, I came up with the, the internet, everybody doing it then. I was part of some groups, some author groups, and we were all sort of teaching each other, figuring it all out as we went. Amazon was changing things. KU wasn't even a thing back then. Then it came out and it's KU one and two, and we were going through all that, learning it. And what I found was, you know, after writing for a while, you know, I, back then it was romance. I was doing like a book every month or two. And um, I just started moving into, you know, helping other authors. Like I figured out how to do reviews. I had my own art team. And then I started helping some other authors by uh, using my art team for them. And then sort of hidden gems grew from that, where it just became from like a sort of side project into a full-time thing. And now I never have time to write books anymore. So, that's And so the problem with art teams, um, ART teams, we call them launch squads, is that they flake. So what do you do? What are the those rough statistics I've seen with most launches is like 50% flake rate. And we're talking flaking from the most people who are so enthusiastic about supporting you. So what, what, what's, what's a good way to handle that? How do you deal with that? Well, you know, we have, uh, we service all the different genres, but we started with romance and that's definitely our biggest. Um, and we're always having, we have the same issues, right? We're always trying to get new people, people on board because yeah, people, it's not just that they, the people that sign up um, don't read. It's, it's more that they just start losing interest in, reading regularly and then they became you know they start off as somebody that reads all the time and they don't read as much then they hardly ever do and so it's a constant churn right which is easier when you're it's a service and that's something that we're we're working on and, and doing all the time when you're an author it's harder right and the other thing with being an author and then using your own readers as as art readers is those are your fans and those are the people that are are best likely to buy your books. So it's sometimes not the best idea to use them because although they'll probably give you a good review, you're sort of, you know, uh, hampering your own ability to sell into that fan base. Right. So what should people, okay. So somebody uh, comes to Hidden Gems, you are booked out. I told you I tried last week and it's, you know, eight months from now was the next availability. How does, how does Hidden Gems work? Um, yeah, so it depends on the genre, but yeah, we, we do get booked out pretty, fa- pretty far in advance. Um, but there is, when you sign up, uh, you might've seen like there's a couple of waiting list fields, right? So basically if you select those and something earlier comes up, you know, I might contact you and say, hey, do you want to move up to whatever date, right? So there's a good chance. It depends on your genre. Um, some move more than others. We have, like I said, we have more romance readers. So those ones move around a bit more. There's more chance that I can move you up. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with some of the other genres, it's harder. Um, so yeah, you sign up. And basically when your date comes up or as it approaches, you get all your information in. Uh, a few days before your book uh, is due to um, get sent out, we send out uh, like a sign-up email to the readers in the genre uh, that you've chosen. Those readers um, sign up if they're interested, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then we send out the book uh, and hopefully they leave reviews. We have about an 80%, like on average, we have about an 80% review rate. That's um, right. 
in terms of how many people sign up versus how many leave reviews. And you, we charge based on sign up. So even if you ask for 100, if we only get 15 people signing up, you're only charged for 15, right? And, um, and then, so if, if 50 people sign up and 25 review, you, you're still charged for the, the number that signed up. You, yeah, right. Because you can't, I mean, Amazon's rules yeah. are, you know, pretty sticky and you're not supposed to charge for reviews, right? You can't pay the reviewers. You can't, they can't be influenced, blah, 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 right? So you're not paying for reviews. You're paying for, you know, the readers. You're paying for us to send your book to readers that have a good history of reviewing. There's often times that people don't review that have nothing to do with them just being flaky. Like if they don't like a book, like books that, um, you know, not every book is 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 a gem, right? right. So <laughs> if a, a book gem. isn't, <laughs> some of them are hidden gems, but some of them are just not gems at all. And so if you get a book that isn't great in general and the reviews are, are low, I find that those ones get less reviews in general because people decide they'd rather not review than leave a bad review, which is up to them, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they don't have to. We can't force anybody to review. So we have um, reader forms that we send out and they can leave their review and then, um, or they can fill out a reason for not reviewing. And one of the reasons is, uh, you know, I didn't like the book and then they just decide not to, to review, but that's not everyone. Some people are fine leaving poor reviews for a book they didn't like. As an author, I, it's not that I love poor reviews, but I've gotten plenty of them and I would much rather have that than no reviews. than well, not listen, a review. Well, yeah. And I mean, one of the things that um, authors don't, they're sort of scared of bad reviews and they don't need to be, right? No. Um, there's a lot of research that says that these days people actually trust books that have, or products in general that have some negative reviews. If they're all five-star glowing reviews, people just don't believe them. They think that they're, uh, they're fake. So um, a few, you know, more lower reviews are actually, they actually help your uh, book sales than you know, all perfects. It hurts your feelings as an author, right, to read them. But, you know, there's there's other things you can learn from them. If you read your reviews and you see that, you know, everyone is saying sort of the same thing, maybe that's something to look at about your book. Maybe there is an issue that you can look at. But then sometimes they're just trolls or sometimes they're just, you know, people that just didn't connect for some reason. And Mm -hmm. that's fine too. And those kind of reviews, people will see that. It's not like, you know, well, if if people are drilling in and looking, they're going to be like, oh, that review is just an idiot. (laughs) You know, like he doesn't know, you know, he's, he doesn't like this book for his own personal reasons. And that's clear, right? But if everybody's like, oh, this book wasn't edited properly, right? And like a bunch of people are saying that, that doesn't look good. But that's something you should look at and be like, wow, I probably should have edited this better. And thanks to the wonders of publishing today, you just re-edit it and re-upload it and 72 hours later, or maybe three hours later, it's available on Amazon. The new right, version. right. And if you, you know, if you pull it down and put up a new new one completely, then you get rid of all those old reviews. I mean, it's harder now. It used to be that Amazon let you just do that all the time. Now, I think you have to change the title. Like it has to be sort of a different book. Um, but you can do that. There's ways to do that. So if you, I mean, you don't use it just as a way, it's, you know, to just always sort of reset. But like if your book had total problems and you fix those, sometimes it's hard, especially if a lot of your reviews 
called out those issues, it's hard to tell people that they've been fixed. You know, what are you going to do? You could upload the, you could update your description, but I'm not sure how good that looks. Right? Yeah. Like, Hey, I finally, I finally have a good version. You, if you, with the new ISBN, you absolutely can upload a new version, but you know, cause I've learned the opposite way because we've wanted to keep reviews of previous books and it's, it's always a little bit dicey. Will Amazon let us and even with the new, with the new ISBN, whatever, we were able to merge them for one of my books, thank God. But, but so a new ISBN, I really think can help you get away, but it doesn't mean people could search and still find the first one. So I always say Amazon forgives, but it doesn't forget. It's um, even if well, you, you put it back to draft. Yeah, you can unpublish it and it, it probably will disappear from Amazon, but it'll still be on Goodreads and you know other places if people really search for it. Yeah, the internet absolutely is not going to forget about them. So um, I, I, I truly can't get over how great the pricing is. I will tell you the day I've discovered hidden gems, the, uh, hidden gems pricing. I'm, I'm almost, maybe this is an intervention to tell you to raise your prices because I found this other site, $60 a review uh, for, again, the legit review. So, you know, the problem is that um, how are they guaranteeing you know the reviews you can't really do that unless something funny is going on um and you know is that was that for any product or is that just was that a book specifically i think it was it was books Uh, um you know i I just amazon has is so you know it's interesting i'm always just exploring these things and you know how you can buy fake anything you can buy fake youtube views fake comments you go to like Fiverr. Yeah, cannot buy a fake Amazon review. Like the Amazon has been so has cracked down so much on that, and and plenty of people. And I and I'm sure this happens sometimes with your reviewers. Um, the reviews don't get approved for whatever yeah. reason that Amazon doesn't feel like sharing. Yeah, there's a lot of so Amazon's always had like a long history of cracking down, and I get it. There's, I mean, you know, if yeah. you can't trust the reviews, then that's sort of their whole business model, right? Yeah. Um, and so I do understand it. The problem is, is that they are very heavy handed. They, you know, I always say they shoot for, they shoot first and ask questions never. So yeah. if you don't, um, if you fall afoul of their rules, even if, you know, those rules were unclear or you disagree that you fell afoul of them, you're kind of, I mean, it's hard to get them to listen to you and to, um, to, to do anything about it. So, you know, they've had a long history of like suing, you know, websites and, and, and uh, shutting down authors completely taking away their earnings and, you know, Oh, I've been shut down as a reviewer. Uh, And reviewers. So that's one of the things that has always been an issue, but it actually is, it has become worse lately is what they're doing is they're just um, either they're outright, you know, saying no to a review for, who knows why, or they're just taking forever to approve them. You know, yeah. I get, you know, emails all the time from me just saying, you know, I left my review, but you know, Amazon still hasn't, hasn't put it, put it up. And it's not much we can do about that. Um, they eventually do, or they, or they block them. And if they block them, there's usually a reason, um, but I, who knows what it is. Right? I'm innocent. <laughs> I'm innocent. They blocked me and I was like, this is ridiculous. I love reviewing books. Um, they gave me no reason. And then um, we've tried to call and they will not change it. And so then I resorted to starting another Amazon account. And then I'm like, then you need another phone number. It was just getting, I was like, fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, and, they, look, and it has to be tied to a, to a credit card. Um, exactly. Well, right? And you have to have spent $50 in the last 12 months, right? So there's yes. a whole bunch of things you have to do. And I get it because again, um, you can't use a gift card, right? Because then somebody could open up a, a call center somewhere and give everyone gift cards. They can all start new um, new accounts and done and they spend their 50 bucks, right? But you can't give everyone a new credit card, right? Every yeah. Time. So it, yeah. I get it. I get why they do it. But the problem is like one of the great things about an ARC is that there's so many readers out there that can't afford to buy the number of books that they want to read, you know, that they're, that they have the ability to read. There's people out there that just, they're on, they're low income and, but they, they have a lot of time. They love reading and they love to leave reviews. And so an ARC is great for that. You know, they get free books, they leave reviews. Perfect. But then Amazon comes out and says, well, you got to have a credit card. You've got to spend 50 bucks a year. And just for some people, that's just not something that they can do. And, and it's, it's tough. It's tough. I get it. But it's tough on those people. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. How do you find these people who love reading so much? That is always the issue. We're always, yeah. always looking for more people. I mean, I have ads on Facebook. I have, you know, I've just, I tried different things. I, you know, sometimes I'll I've run promotions where I've had authors send uh, links out to sign up links out to their own uh, mailing lists. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot of ways to do it, but um, none of them are sort of foolproof or cheaper. And it's such, like I said, a constant churn and with Amazon, you know, cracking down, it's, you know, we're moving away, not away, but we're moving to allowing reviews on other sites too. There's so many authors now going wide, um, publishing on other sites other than just Amazon. So we're going to start um, allowing reviews on, you know, Goodreads and Kobo and Google for authors that want it, right? If authors yeah. just want Amazon, they can have, you know, just Amazon. But there's a lot of authors out there that are looking for reviews elsewhere. And so uh, that's something we're, we're working on now. And so is the way it works that um, you you have a system of getting the books, like maybe a book funnel or something like that, so they can get a PDF or a Kindle version? Um, yeah. So yeah, they, well, not book funnel, but we, we just do it ourselves. So, yeah. uh, when you sign up, you can upload your, we require both the EPUB um, and the uh, PDF. It used to be Mobi, but you know, Amazon's uh, stepping away from Mobi. So uh, EPUB and PDF, and then anyone that signs up and gets chosen, we send them the link to download the, the book. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they just go from there and we have the instructions on how to send the EPUB to their Kindle or how to open PDFs good for those people that have problems because it can be opened sort of anywhere, any, any device, but it's not a great reading experience. So definitely the EPUB is, is the preferable version now. And then is the, does the author put the book at the 99 cents, um, and have them purchase it or are they unverified reviews or no, they have to be unverified. Yeah. You can't see, yeah, you can't do that because I mean, you know, the reviewers aren't going to want to buy the book every time. Right. Otherwise they're basically paying for, um, and we can't, you know, uh, 
we can't buy right. it for them. That's, yeah. you know, that's, it, it, it's, that would be against Amazon's rule. Like all you can give a reviewer is a free copy of the book. You yeah. can't give them any other compensation. And if you were to yeah. buy a book for them, that would be basically that. So, um, so they are unverified, but you know what downloads from KU and if somebody downloads your book in, in Kindle Unlimited and leaves a review, that's also unverified. So it's not like, you know, verified just means, an actual sale but it, it could like un like verified is a sale unverified could be an arc could be a kindle unlimited download you know so right. it doesn't really say much and i don't think a lot of people pay attention i think most people look at the overall score um and number of reviews and that's like probably 90 percent of the people and then a few people will drill in deeper and start reading a few of them how many of them care if they're verified or unverified i don't think that many yeah, I don't think readers care. I have heard that a Amazon prioritizes, but it helps the algorithm. But, you know, Amazon's not telling me, so I have no idea. Yeah, they change their algorithms all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that matters. Like, I think, you know, when you, you can sort, and I think the default sort maybe shows um, the, the, the verified ones first. Um, but, you know, like, you can change that when you drill in. So uh, I don't think it really affects anything. And um, what, how many readers do you have? Uh, well, in, I mean, in the system, we have, I'm sure, I don't know, I haven't checked lately, 10 to 15,000, I guess. But don't forget, like, if you, if you're an author and you deal with newsletters, you know that a vast majority of your list isn't opening your emails, isn't, of course. you know, uh, clicking you know so it yeah and those and that's across all genres we do uh 16 different genres right so um you know and most people are, are part of more than one genre right like you don't just like science fiction usually you like science fiction and thrillers and fantasy or whatever so you'd sign up for all three so um so you know the list goes out and 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 people are picky and and they have time issues and you know at the beginning of covid like we were seeing actually a, a large uh, an increase in in readers um, and people signing up and then sort of as it went on and I think all the sort of like streaming services and all these other things started catching up with COVID you know everyone sort of stopped it stopped reading more so then it started going down right so uh, yeah you know like you're competing against a lot of different things so even though it might go you know like a, a book in a particular genre might go out to a few thousand people you still might only find like 10 or 20 people sign up yeah. for it if you know how many are opening and how many are interested in that topic how many have time at that time you know all that stuff and do you think there's a certain number of reviews that every book should have where it tips the scale for the potential reader i've heard different um numbers but i don't know if um you know i i read a stat i'm just looking i did a uh presentation in at a author's conference in Vegas once about this and it, it was something like five um reviews was like sort of like your minimum uh, yeah the purchase likelihood this is from a 2017 Spiegel Research Center study so the purchase likelihood for a product with five reviews is 270 percent greater than the purchase likelihood of a product with no reviews so you know, but that's, so that's five versus none. I don't know, five versus 10, five versus 20, you know, it's, it's a different, different, like, what are you comparing against, right? I think the main thing is like, if people are comparing apples to apples, there's two books that they want to buy. They, they don't care. They just, they can only buy one. Um, 
all other things being equal, if one has more reviews than the other, and, and they're, you know, in general positive, they'll probably go for that one, right? It's yeah. that social proof of those people bought this. So a lot of authors want as many as they can get. Others are happy with just some, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Emo- mine is totally emotionally based. 30 and up, boom, yeah. in. Yeah. I think 30 is a great number. I mean, I think we just uh, published, or maybe it's in tomorrow's blog, uh, where, you know, uh, one of the, the guys that works with us, he, he, uh, he wrote a blog about a sort of a book launch template that he uses. And um, I think he mentioned 30 is the number he goes for in terms of reviews. Yeah. And so let's talk about the other services you offer there, you know, also do the, the beta readers, are those the same people? Uh, no, they, well, they, um, they do get sourced from the art team, but I sort of handpick and hand um, invite them based on uh, the reviews that those people leave. Uh, you know, okay. if they seem sort of like more in depth uh, kind of reviews than just somebody writing, you know, I love the book. So um, if I think that the person and they read a lot and all that stuff, so I'll send them an email and say, hey, we have a beta reader service. Do you want to be a part of it? Because those beta readers, they get paid. Um, and but they're, you know, the expectation is that they're going to put together a much more detailed um, response. And it's based on. Uh, so when the author signs up, he fills out a. Uh, he or she fills out a questionnaire um, of the questions that they want to ask the author, the readers. So you might have like 10 or 15 questions that you want to ask the readers and that goes out. And when the readers finish the book, they fill out that questionnaire and submit it. And then that's what, that's how that works. Basically. That's amazing. Um, what if uh, somebody listening wants to be a beta reader, how much does that pay? Do you say? Um, it's, it varies because uh, it varies on the uh, the details of the book. So yeah. things like word counts, uh, how many days you have to read it, you know, various things like that. Um, it's not a huge amount of money because most of these people were ARC readers and they're, you know, they're reading for free in general. And it's more just, you know, for them to have, you know, some, a little bit of spending money. Uh, you know, it's range is probably like, I don't know, 10 to 20 bucks mm-hmm. maybe per book. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's amazing. I'm doing my first book with beta readers as I go, and it's a new experience. Um, do you recommend doing beta reading uh, when the book is, the first draft is complete uh, earlier on in the process? You know, so, some people like to do it early, but then you kind of, um, then you almost kind of have to do it again, right? Um, you want to do it before editing usually, you know, right? Because if you fully edit the book and then you send it to beta readers and then find that um, there was all sorts of issues and then you have to do a lot of rewriting, then you might have to get it edited again. And editing is a lot more expensive. So it's not, you don't really want to do editing twice. <laughs> no. Doing a beta, <laughs> running it through beta readers twice is much more affordable if that's something you want to do. And some people do that. Most people do it once. I usually recommend that you get more than one beta reader uh, because, you know, everybody's got personal opinions and, and, you know, things that matter to them more than they would matter to someone else. And, and if you just get one person and they have a visceral reaction to your book for something, it's hard to tell if it was just that reader and something about that reader that wouldn't really be the same from everyone else. But if you have two or three people and they, if they're all saying the same thing, then, you know, you should pay some attention. But it was one guy who said that and the other two had no issue with it. 
and you don't think it's an issue, you know, it's easier to just sort of discount that as that's a personal thing with that person, right? People get emotional. They do. Um, <laughs> I, what I love about the beta reading is, you know, cause I have this company where we write and publish books for entrepreneurs and what they will do is they will give the book to their friends when it's done. No, give it to your potential readers. Um, you maybe your friends are your potential readers, but usually, and and you know, uh, non-writers will have that like their inner writer comes out, and they're like, you should tear this apart and start again, and give all this terrible advice. And so, you know, it's so helpful to be going to the people who actually would buy your book instead. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing with you. Like, it's like giving it to your mom, right? Like, you know, you're not going to get a real reaction to it. Um, But if if you send it to your arc readers or your fans too, that's some, some authors do that. The danger there is that they're already fans. They're, they're pretty much going to love everything you do most likely, right? They're not, and they're not going to want to sort of like say something negative. Some of them will, but you don't know. They might just be like, I don't want to, you know, make my my favorite author angry by saying I didn't like their book and maybe they'll stop sending them to me or whatever, right? So I, I personally think it's better to, to get somebody who is not familiar. Um, and then, hey, maybe you'll, you'll end up finding a new fan out of that person and they'll buy future books. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say I'm using a software right now that it's anonymous feedback and half the people are fans and half the people are strangers and the better feedback I can tell who's a stranger because they're being harsh and it, it hurts more, but it's way more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to tell people like, you know, constructive criticism, remember that the authors are still people like you don't want to be really super negative. I mean, you, you can tell them the issues, but you don't have to be harsh and rude about it. Cause sometimes, you know, somebody be like, ah, oh, this was terrible. You know, like, that's you gotta you gotta say what was wrong with it and sort of you know well what was really helpful is especially one reader was so angered by it what it made me realize is it was it's not targeted towards that the people that I thought it was targeted to because he he I felt like it was a he kept getting really offended by my assumptions about like people could afford to do this or people value this. And it's like, oh, thank you for helping me completely reconceive this book so that I know it's not for you. And that's why you're so angry. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and that's actually something that, um, you know, so uh, with the other services, like we have, uh, you know, I, I do consults, uh, we do, um, you know, we have a newsletter, we do covers and blur, we write blurbs for people. Um, but one of the things that I talk to authors about sometimes is that issue where, you know, um, if they have a problem with their marketing and their promotion, sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily a problem with the book, but it's a problem about of who you're targeting it to. You're targeting it to the wrong group of people. Um, You wrote a book and you think it's going to be loved by this kind of person, but maybe it's really actually loved by this kind of person. Or you just don't even know. You're just sort of like not really good at uh, at, at advertising and, and promoting and you're just doing it in the wrong places to the wrong audiences. And you're not specifically trying to send it to a specific group, but the group that you are sending it to is just not the right one. And it's just figuring right. out who, who to send it to is key sometimes. So what would you suggest? We have to get close to wrapping up. What would you suggest to the person who's not going to do hidden gems, who just wants reviews? What is the best thing to do? If I mean, if you have a list of your own, you can um, use that. 
uh, like I said, you're, you're the, the only danger is like, those are people that probably would have bought your book. So you don't want to sort of dig too deep into that. But if you need some reviews, then, uh, then yeah, you, you know, you can do that. Otherwise, you know, there's, I don't know, there's places on Reddit or, or, you know, various sort of, uh, sort of Facebook book groups you could try where you'd say, Hey, um, you know, I'm an author, I have a book who wants to read it. You know, the danger is, like you said, a lot of the times you're going to send the book out. I think uh, when I started, like the stat of most authors and why most people came to us was they were finding they'd send the book out to, you know, a hundred people and they'd get five reviews, you know, or if that, (laughs) and that was sort of the, the issue. Right. And then you're just really just giving out free books at that point. So um, that's, that's sort of the danger of just randomly finding stuff, but, and, and like I said, a list can sometimes work, but then if you're a first time author, it's harder at that point, cause you don't have that list. So you have to go take a bit more, a few more chances. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, I don't love it, but a site called Pubby. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you, you trade reviews. And I tried it and I hated how disingenuous that people hadn't read the book and uh, I wasn't reading theirs because I wasn't interested in like seafaring romance or whatever it was. Uh, So, but, you know, people do it. Yeah. And like I said, I would be careful with those because Amazon probably wouldn't approve that sort of thing because it's sort of, yeah. And if they find out, you know, not only could they just pull the reviews, but they could shut down the author using it because they might say that you're, you know, you're, you're basically getting fake reviews and that you're getting fake reviews. Right. So it's really, it's really dicey with them. They're very, very, um, you know, their rules are intentionally vague. And again, I get why, because if they weren't, you know, people would then, if they were very specific, if the rules were super specific, people could find ways to break them and then have the recourse of saying, well, that that's not against the rules. Right. And then they'd have to change. Then they'd have to add another rule and another rule. So they keep them vague. But the problem with that is then you have to trust them to apply them fairly and they don't always. Yeah. (laughs) More at their mercy. Yeah. Um, Well, Craig, thank you so much for your time and this wisdom. Um, If people want to find out more about you, about hidden gems, where should they go? Uh, hiddengemsbooks.com. You know, if they're an author, they can go to the author services tab that shows them everything we we do. If they're a reader, you know, they can sign up. There's links to sign up as a, uh, um, as an ARC reader. And uh, And you have a podcast. Yeah, we have a podcast called Fully Booked. It's on um, most of the, or all the main podcast sites. And uh, it's an author focused podcast. So it's generally sort of author related topics, uh, marketing and promoting, you know, we we try to get self-published authors on um, to talk about their experiences uh, that they've had and, and what they've learned, what works, what doesn't, stuff like that. You, you are a podcast listener because you were listening to this. So thank you so much, Craig. Thanks, you guys, for listening. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please 
Don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company, Legacy Launchpad Publishing, is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing. Just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.